New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Mark Nepo. He's the author of many books, including the Book of Soul, 52 Paths to Living What Matters. Mark, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Oh, great to be with you again. It's great to have you. You know, I'd like to talk about something you mentioned in this latest book. You say, trust the heart of of your senses ahead of understanding. It's kind of a, an uh, odd sort of phrase. What do, you, what do you mean, trust the heart of our senses? What I mean is, and, and sort of put this in a context, you know, if we look at traditions, mostly in the West, from Greek civilization down to our current time, wisdom has been thought of as the quest to understand life. But when we look at the Eastern traditions in Buddhism and Hinduism and further in that line, the effort has been wisdom is the quest to experience life. And so, you know, both kinds of wisdom, experience and understanding are valuable. But ultimately, I have found for me, being a student of all paths, understanding is a tool to experiencing if I have to choose, you know, I'd, li- I'd like to have wisdom and joy, but if I have to choose, I'll choose joy. Because joy is inhabiting wisdom. It's a bigger universe. It's a bigger know? universe, and it's more felt. So when I, I offer this notion of, again, and these are instructions for myself, you know, um, in this journey of, yeah, I need to trust my heart and it's what it senses and what it leads me to more than just my understanding. So this is a way to understand the difference between curiosity and wonder. Curiosity is a wonderful thing. It's a great thing, but only if it leads us to wonder. So a great little story uh, about this is that uh, a master sends a student, very serious student, good student, uh, says, I want you to sit near a river and meditate until you've learned all the river has to teach you. Wow. Well, he gets all of it. He gets his special cushion and his blanket and everything. And he his chimes and he goes and he spends the whole first day deciding where's the best place to sit. Because first he's too close and then he's too far. So he settles under a willow halfway. And he goes into earnest meditation for three days. And at the end of three days, he has a, just a terrible headache. I mean, he has nothing. He has had no insight. Nothing's kind of touched him. And then it just as he opens his eyes, a monkey out of nowhere jumps into the middle of the river and is splashing and yapping and wah! And it cracks the young student and he starts to weep. And he gathers his things. He goes back to his master and he tells him what happened. And his master kindly puts his arm around him and he says, ah, the monkey heard. You just listened. Uh-huh. Yeah. The monkey heard. Yeah. You just listened. Now, there's 
So there's value in listening. There's value in watching. That's a good tool. But, it, but it's not where we live. It's not where we live. The value of watching and listening and, and understanding, the whole goal is to get wet. So you're you're saying it's like an embodiment. It's yes. not an intellectual kind of pursuit. And even the word wisdom, we think of it in our heads. Well, I we do. do, and that that's a distillation because originally, the you know the word sage was originally a verb, and it meant to taste. So the implication was that wisdom came from the direct taste of life. And we've distilled it so that it's distant, so that it's abstracted. You know, the, the uh, Naropa University in, in Boulder, Colorado, I've taught there and spoken there, you know, sometimes over the years. And, and I'm, always, I'm always interested, you know, like, well, why is it called Naropa? You know, what, what's Naropa? And, and, you know, the first few times I was there, nobody could really tell me. But, of course, I finally met someone who was a professor there who knew all the history. And it was wonderful. And he told me the story. And so Naropa was an 11th century, kind of like a Houston Smith of the 11th century. He was this phenomenal person who understood all the different traditions in the world, all the different spiritual traditions and practices, and was quite celebrated in his own time. And so I forget exactly where in, in India this was, but he was, you know, walking through the city and he walked by an old woman and the old woman got by him and turned around and said, wait, hey, aren't you Naropa? Well, he kind of puffed up and said, oh, yes, I am. And he was getting ready to give like an autograph, you know. And she pointed her cane at him and said, do you know the heart of all those teachings? He was caught off guard. He was offended. And he said, of course I do. And he turned and walked away. And as she walked in the other direction, she got no more than like 20 paces away. And he knew he had lied. And he turned around and he ran after her and he knelt before her and said, be my teacher. And so ever since, Naropa has been the symbol of embodied wisdom. If we're not going to live it, what's the point? And this brings up a chapter of not living it that I have in the new book called The Finitudes, which is about Heidegger, Martin Heidegger. And, you know, Martin Heidegger is considered an amazing philosopher of being, of ontology, uh, in the modern world. And, you know, and I discovered in looking into him and his life, he was a practicing Nazi, a full-throated supporter of Hitler. So what are, what are we supposed to do with that? What am I supposed to do with that? How are, you know, we often say, well, you know, take the best and leave the rest. Well, you know, does that mean that whatever insights Heidegger came up with are not worth considering? Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, here's a man who was the, I learned was the dean of the University of Freiburg who turned in Jewish professors to the Nazis. So if he can't practice his deep understandings of being and peace and stillness, what good is it? But does it matter whether he practiced it or not? Does it matter like if we read something of his and we ingest it it becomes part of our noticing in the world and our experience, then it doesn't matter whether he lived in integrity or not. It's, well, I, mean, I don't know. I, it's Is an that... open question. I, I don't have a complete 
understanding. It's I offer that chapter because it's a koan. Yes. It's a riddle. I think yes, to yes, what you're saying. And I think it's also important just to to know whether he lived out what he believed or not. I think So we're not worshiping him. Yeah, I think it's important to hold all of it. Uh, and then we have each to decide, you know, the question is, how do I ingest his best insights and not do what he did? The question is, what prevented him from living what he knew? So that's a more interesting question. What was in his background or his his view of life. Or, so that I don't do that. Exactly. So that you don't do that. And I may not do it as extreme. Right. But you know, there's one thing when I may have insights in my writing and I can't live up to all of them because I'm not perfect. And sometimes I, you know, I, I just don't do it. So is that hypocritical or is that, I think a big difference is for any of us, when we don't live up to what we know to be true, if we own it, then we're aiming and missing. But if I, and maybe I can see, maybe I have a gift and I can see a truth, but I'm not equipped as a human being to live it out. I keep trying, but I do my best. But at what point is it hypocritical when I pretend that I can do it and I don't? Who lives in complete integrity all the time? You can't. I just don't think it's possible. And there may be degrees of it where people like Heidegger, Heidegger did affect the lives of many other people in a negative way. Yeah. So that is, that's something to look at because different people have different spheres of influence. So maybe that leads me to the question of could we look more carefully at our own sphere of influence and how we are... Absolutely. I offered the Heidegger uh, chapter not as a judgment on Heidegger, but as a case study in our own embodiment of wisdom. You know, we all will, we all, as you say, will, we will never fully inhabit all that we aspire to because we're human. But what do we do in the gap? What do we do with the difference? Do we own it? Do we uh, work toward it? Or do we live a split life? Or do we, you know, actually deny our shortcomings? And at what point are we so divorced from what we know to be true that we're actually doing harm? You know, there's a great story uh, a powerful story. We don't have time to tell the whole story here, but it's a story, a Buddha story about Buddha and Agilamala. And Agilamala, uh, his, his birth name was Ahimsaka, which means the harmless one. And he was a masterful, kind-hearted student who was uh, led astray and wound up becoming kind of like a serial killer of the time. And he was finally uh, caught and Buddha was going through the village and he wanted to see him and people knew he was a holy man. So he let them meet Agilamala. So you have this awakened one and this murderer. And the story is that Buddha looked at Agilamala for a long time in silence and, and then said, uh, I have stopped 
you have not stopped. That's all he said. And then he left. And it is believed that the moments from when Buddha said that to the moments that Agilamala was hung were the only authentic moments of his life. And so this is a spiritual riddle. So, and again, it's, it, you know, we could, we could do it as a detective story, but it's not so important. It's more important to take it as a barometer, as an inquiry into our own, our own living embodiment and ethics. So the question is, we each have an awakened one in us and we each have a murderer in us, a murderer of our energy, of our kindness, of our patience, of our openness. So the question is, ours deeper, this goes to the other chapter in the book about teacher, soul, and student self. There's always a deeper teacher in us, the awakened one, the Buddha nature in us, whatever you want to call that, that when we're struggling, when we're murdering our own energy, when we're tangling ourselves in knots, yeah, our soul is ready to say, have you stopped? You know what you need to stop. It reminds me of that uh, teaching story about the two wolves that live inside, and you say, which one are you feeding? Yes. It's the one. So a good, a good kind of, you know, to make this for our listeners, like a good kind of personal question to investigate is, what, what in your life right now is being tangled, is being strangled? Energy, patience, safety, a sense of abundance or scarcity, or worth, or lack of worth, and then let your soul say to you, what is it you are not stopping that you need to stop so you can be awakened and not draining your own life's energy? So that's the question for each of us. Have you stopped? What do you need to stop? So that's worth some deep contemplation. Oh, we could go on and on, but <laughs> we're going to stop with that question and leave that on the table for our listeners. Thank you so much, Mark, oh, you're for welcome. being with us today. I've been here with Mark Nepo, and his most current book is called The Book of Soul, 52 Paths to Living What Matters. And if you'd like to know more about his work, you can go to his website, marknepo, N-E-P-O, marknepo.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Thank you for joining us at the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you, please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.